to me. Y'all need to pray. I love him. Yeah, I do. Maybe a little bit. This Dan I don't love. I don't know what it's like. The shrinking stand or something like. What in the world? So, as a family, I know y'all didn't miss me because y'all had Marcus last week. Y'all hurt my feelings, but I love you. Uh, number two, I'm excited to be back because we're continuing as Marcus did a great job with the sermon series as we're looking forward to the city whose uh, foundation, whose architect and builder is God. Hebrews 11:10. That's what we're about. We're about Abraham, who is a man. I love in Hebrews 11, it says he was looking, what saints? That's good. That's the word of the year. We ought to get it forward to the city with foundations. Whose architect and builder is God. Listen, a lot of times we try to build a lot of foundations, but there's only one who can build one. A lot of people try to build a city uh, in, back in Palestine and Israel and the land of Canaan. They would take cities when they were destroyed and they would build on top of cities. On top of cities, they were called tales. They would build on top of them, but they had no foundation. Their foundation was always on a ruin. I'll go over here. It was always on a ruin. Bad relationship, bad job, bad feelings, bad, bad vibes, bad past experience. Always trying to build something new off of something bad. But when you come to Jesus, there's a foundation. And when he builds that foundation, listen, when he is solid, he is always digging deep. Because he's getting ready to go up. And you have an architect. You have an architect of that city. And so since we have a foundation, no matter what we face, no matter what we encounter, no matter what happens in this world, we know that there's a God who's bigger than anything we face. And so we're going to hold on to that, and we're going to believe that as a church family. Now listen, just because circumstances don't go right doesn't mean that Jesus ain't right. So here's the point. It's on, it's on Summit Church Facebook. Here's the point today. When we look forward, and I pray that you preach, yourself, preach this to yourself all week. When we look forward, the gospel of Jesus Christ always speaks to potential and not performance. Many years ago, I heard that statement. I don't know who I heard it from. It was many years ago, early when I was pastoring. I heard somebody say that. But I want you to know something. And it's not just some pithy, little, uh, nice colloquialism that's going to make you feel good about yourself. It's not psychobabble where we look around and say, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. It's like Marcus is like what you did last week. When you had the girl going sin, 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 you had Logan who looks like God. Well, my picture of it with nice black flowing hair and a big old beard. And right, and then you're inter right, you were the intercessor. You were Jesus Christ interceding. You were the advocate. You were saying, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. Because see, Satan always accuses, but there's one who can shut his mouth. We believe that we have a foundation. And when there's a foundation, you can build a great city. God always speaks because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He always speaks to potential, not performance. You're in this room today and you've never received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. All you do is you know him here, but you don't know him here. This is hell. This is heaven. That's where it gets you. 18 inches between heaven and hell. And so what happens is there's the gospel of salvation where all of a sudden God begins to wreck your heart so you begin to know him here where there begins to be a trust and a love regardless of what happens. And God is calling us as believers to stand up and do something. There, we've got to be looking forward to the city with foundations. God is building something. So whatever happens, whatever storm comes, there's a foundation, there's a rock, there's a mighty fortress the righteous run into and they are safe. We have a city whose architect and builder is God. God is building something in and through us. No matter what comes our way, we can trust him. And since God always, because of the gospel, but Jesus Christ speaks to potential, not performance, we, we win as a family, we lose as a family. We feel good as a family, we suffer as a family. And so, some of you in this room know uh, Patrick and Maddie Jackson. She had the baby this week. We've been praying over her because the baby had a hole in the diaphragm in the womb. So the one lung was not developed 
and the internal organs moved and compressed on the heart. So they had to induce her at MUSC because she had to go there because they were waiting whether or not to go in surgery or not. But we believe what God can do, what no man can do. And we're going to be just like David, who prayed and fasted and fasted over his son until his son, until the, the son died. And while there's still life, we still believe that God can control it. And by the way, he can control the afterlife. Because he's over the resurrection. So she had the baby, and um, the baby is fighting. In fact, you can show a picture of the baby. There's the baby. As of this morning at 7.30, I got a text. We've been texting back and forth early this morning. And I told them that we were going to pray over this, so it's, it's public knowledge at this point. Um, this, this is Michaela Sandra Jackson. I believe Sandra is named after Patrick's mother. Uh, when Patrick was younger, his mother um, had a heart attack and died. I remember that when he was a student here. It says, Michaela, uh, she is currently uh, put on, as of, this was 7.35 this morning. She's currently put on life support. Her oxygen levels are low. She isn't breathing like she's supposed to. And, this, as, and I'm reading this. Dr. Saint, this is her only chance for survival. So they're supposed to have surgery on Tuesday. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask us as a family to pray for her as a family. And the way I'd like to do that, if you don't mind, is we're just going to take some time where I'm just, we're just going to kind of just be intimate with God, with ourselves. And, and she'll play some background music, but there's some time we're just going to ask heaven for Michaela and ask God to bring a healing that only he can heal. Because you see what happened, those organs, as they were pressing on her, on her poor little heart, the one lung didn't develop, so she's fighting to breathe. And this was right before, she, obviously, uh, she was put on life support. They were putting tubes in her neck uh, this morning as I was communicating with them. And so I wanted you to be aware so that we can pray for her. So I'm just going to I'm going to leave some time. Where it's going to be in like a minute or two, and it's going to be silent with background music. And I just ask that you bombard heaven. Because we have a God who has a foundation. And when storms come, we're not like people built on the sand. We've got a rock and a fortress that not even the gates of hell can prevail. And not even when death comes knocking, there's one who even overcame death. And so now you get to begin to intercede. To the Father from Michael. So I'm going to ask you to pray and then I'll close this in prayer.
Lord, we come to you today and intercede. On behalf of Michaela and Patrick Matty, I pray, Lord, that by the blood of Jesus, only you can stop death because only you can overcome death. And so I pray that you would bring healing to that little baby's body, that you would give the doctors and the nurses and all the specialists wisdom and discernment from on high because knowledge puffs up but love builds up. And so when, Lord, when you give knowledge, you give compassion. And so I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak. I pray, Lord, that you administer to the family and friends who need comfort. Uh, many of us in this room have walked through family members of death and walked through dying and sickness. And, Lord, we know that that is a deep, dark chasm, and it leaves us restless in an empty void. But there is one who bridges the gap between death and life, and his name is Jesus. And without the hope of the resurrection, where will we be? So we come to you. Asking for you to step in. Because you're bigger than all. We trust you, Lord. We love you. And I pray, Lord, for this worship gathering today. And here's my prayer. Just like Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2, I pray it every Sunday. I pray it before I speak. Lord, I pray before I open my mouth. This is my prayer, Lord, that when I came in this room, that I don't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaim the testimony about God. Lord, I resolve to know nothing in this room except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I come in weakness because of my sins. I come in great fear and trembling because my sins are before a great and perfect God. But Lord, I come and ask that the message that you've given me and the preaching that you've called me to would not be with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that everyone in this room, their faith, might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And I ask this because you have forgiven me of my sins. Though my sins are great, Jesus is greater. And though I am weak, you are stronger. And when I am faithless, you are faithful. And so I ask today, Lord, by the blood of Jesus Christ, that when these words are read, and the words that you've given me are spoken, I pray you would stir up somebody today. That they would stand that God is stronger and that God is greater. And in the position that you've called them to, though they don't like it, they follow you. That is my prayer. Move us today to be a sign for you to release your presence. May we glorify you. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for opening our ears. Thank you for opening our hearts. And God, thank you for giving us a heartbeat to wake us up. We love you so much because there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. And it is in his name, Father, we pray. Jesus Christ, our Savior, Lord. And all the saints said what? Amen. All right, so here we go. Here we go. Now, Marcus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for setting it up. So Genesis 17, Abraham is 99 years old. He's 99. He's one year away of seeing the fruit of the promise called Isaac. Genesis 12, Abraham was 75 years old when God shows up and says, I'm going to make you a father of nations. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. And through you, everyone will be blessed. Now, the reason why God has called us to be a blessing is this. Listen, when God blesses us, it is not for us. He blesses us, so then we in turn bless somebody else, and that person then turns around and blesses Christ. It's, we're not fully blessed until that person is blessing Jesus. That's the way it works in Scripture. And so now, I want you to know the point today. There's one point we build everything on this, is that looking forward means... Trusting the gospel of Jesus Christ to speak to our potential and not our what, saints? Performance. we got to understand this today. It is not about past performance or even where we're at right now. The potential of Jesus Christ in me is greater than anything I could do without him or that I've done before. Genesis 17. 
Here we go. Let's look at it. Let's get after it. Y'all ready? Because I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. Uh, you know, the 9 o'clock was only a warm-up. <laughs> y'all getting the good stuff. Two weeks from today, we're back in the chapel, by the way. So y'all like, praise Jesus. Verse 1. When Abram, verse 1, when Abram was held, saints, 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. The word Almighty there, you can write it down, put it in stone, write it on your car, put it all over the place. You might want to pray about it. It means I am God sufficient. That's what Almighty means. You single, he's sufficient. You get a new job, he's sufficient. You don't know where to go, he's sufficient. Whatever you're in, he's sufficient. Listen, I believe God more than my circumstances. Because God speaks to potential and not performance. Performance shows that I really stink. But with God, I know something's getting ready to change. Everybody else has got to find their own way out. I just found the one who did make the way out, Jesus. God speaks to potential, not performance. So we who are saved preach the gospel over us. It becomes sanctification. It makes us more like Christ. We preach the gospel every day. It's potential, not performance. Potential, not performance. Where I am is not where I'm going to be because I'm going with God. So he says, I am God Almighty. Somebody today got to call on God to be sufficient. Somebody's got to say, God, you're going to have to be sufficient because I'm not. I am insufficient. When I get up here and preach, I am insufficient. My knowledge is insufficient. My, my ability to communicate is insufficient. Without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we are just psycho babble. Then he says something else. He says, I am God Almighty. He says, walk before me. That word is really tough. You know what the word walk means in Hebrew? I want to give you Hebrew. It means to come. It means to come. I know, I know, it, it, you'll look it up, it says go, but the, the root of the go means you come to God and then go with him. He says, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. My version now, he says, walk before me, be faithful and blameless. Now, I know a lot of us say, we can't walk with God because we're not blameless. But see, this is where God is almighty. This is where he's all sufficient. Where I should be blamed, I am not. Let me break it down for you in Scripture. Therefore, there is... Uh-huh. What did you just say? Romans 8, 1. But, uh, because of all, Paul, all your struggle, all the things you want, what I do, I don't want to do in Romans 7, and what I, what I don't want to do, I do, who will rescue me from this body of death. Right? Because the sin wages in me. Sin seems like it's always winning. Sin seems to be the problem. And I can't just get over it. But there's one who did get over what I can't get over. And I just got to trust that he is my sufficient. Therefore now there's no condemnation. You see, this is the beauty of Christ. The reason why we can come to God, we can walk with God, we can be right where God wants us, even though we hate where he has us, because I'd rather be with him, I'd rather have him and hate my location than not have him and love my location. Because my location is going to just send me straight to hell. And a nice air-conditioned cruise ship. When it pours, it ain't going to be pretty. I can come to him and be blameless. Some of us don't want to walk with God because we feel like we've taken ourselves out. We feel like we can't do what God's caused. All these other things. Listen, when we say we can't walk with God, we are saying that God is not all-sufficient. He's not almighty. But see, this is why God is saying, I'm almighty. He speaks to potential, not performance, because when he steps into us, then we can do anything that he calls us to do. Because it's not us who does it. It's not I, but Christ who lives in me. Right? If I'm crucified with Christ and yet I live, not I, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So everything changes. That's where the potential comes from. The potential doesn't come from, I've got talent. The potential comes from, he is my talent. So there's potential in everybody in this room. But the only way the potential will be actualized is if Christ becomes the sufficient. And we can be blameless because what did Jesus do? Be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew 5, 48, it's a command. You can look it up in the Greek. Be perfect. Well, John, you're not perfect. Right on. 
right on. I am not perfect, but there is one who is, and he's the one I surrender to. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. I say it all the time, by becoming a curse for us, for cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He became the perfection and paid the price of my deficit. So now, I'm blameless. I stand before him, white as snow, under the righteousness of Jesus Christ. There is nobody in this room who cannot go with God. If you hear another voice, it's Satan. It's the lie of the enemy that says, you cannot. When Jesus said, I've already made the way. In John 14, 6. There's no other way. So there's potential for us. But look what he says there. But you have to be able to walk. Listen, now let me break it down for you a little bit more. The word walk is an interesting word because in Hebrew, it is the verb. And some of y'all like, y'all John, you're speaking like crazy to me. It's hitpile imperative. Hithpile is a verb tense. Imperative means it's a command. But let me tell you what the hithpile verb means. The hithpile verb, and I'm going to read it to you just because it just is a beautiful, it's one of my favorite verbs in all of Hebrew, though I hate Hebrew verbs because Hebrew is crazy, it's no consonants, it's letters, they have weak verbs and letters drop out and people are cray-cray. I don't know why God used that language, but nonetheless he did. All right, so this is what the word, the hithpile verb means. It conveys putting one's self into the state of the idea. So when he says, I am God Almighty, walk before me, he is saying, will you come to me and go with me? Out of your free will, John, will you come to me and now go with me? Will you put yourself in the state where I have to be sufficient and nobody else can do it? Will you become weak so I'll become strong? Will you become poor so that people might see you as rich? Will you put yourself in that position where there's nothing left but Jesus? And I want to tell you something. If you think, if you're in this room and you don't follow Jesus, I want to try and talk you out of it. You say, that's not pastor. That's just not pastoring, John. That's like sin. Sin and silly and sassy. I just like S's. <laughs> the reason why I want to try and talk you out of it is because if I talk you into it, you weren't saved to begin with. It's got to be the Holy Spirit. Listen, following Jesus Christ is the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. It is the most toughest thing to where God says, I am going to call you to be a sign for someplace, and you've got to go be that. You've got to walk before me blameless. That means you've got to stay with Jesus. John, you've got to just stay right there with the cross, right there with Christ. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. You already know that you have the gospel of salvation. You're saved. But now preach the gospel of sanctification. So when you do get jacked up and mess up, which is about, oh, every 30 seconds, then what happens is the gospel is greater than me. He is God Almighty. John is not. He is all sufficient. I am not. So God is calling us to go and be what he wants us to be. The question is, will I do it? It is very hard to find. Isn't it hard to swim upstream? Isn't it hard to go against the flow? But somebody's, listen, if you will never make it unless we stand in our quiet time and in our corporate time with Jesus. If we're not filling us more and more in Christ, the world will wear us out. But I got news for the world. The world didn't give it. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. You know he can't take it. So i got to put myself into it. Look at this. So walk before him. So I've got to do that. Number one, if God is all sufficient, and the reason why he speaks to potential and not performance is because he has made me blameless. He has given me the ability to walk before him. Hey, but you said, but John, I can't continue to walk. Hey, i got a word for you. Though the righteous man may fall seven times. Hmm. I, I, I wrote down one version of it. It says, uh, it's interesting. Uh, it says uh, in the New Living, which is a not even really a translation, it's a paraphrase. It says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. See, Jesus is always in the resurrection. Just read the Gospels. Every time he walked to a funeral, somebody got up. Somebody was going to stand up. When somebody was sick, they're going to get healed. When somebody was deaf, they're going to hear. When somebody's blind, eyes are open. Whenever Jesus shows up, something naturally has to change. Though the godly may trip seven times, they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked, Haman. Y'all don't know nothing about that after, do you? 
But it says, but only but one disaster is enough. One disaster. All the most people right now in the world, it, you know, it's like, karma, 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 chameleon. Y'all don't even know about Culture Club. First transgender brother I was all about. Never mind, that's a joke. Oh, that's not, that was funny. That was funny. I didn't say Culture Club back in the day. Don't be shaking your head. My point is all this is that when you look at all the people that have struggled, and all the things that go right for people. People talk about karma all the time. Well, this, and like I'll say all again, karma's not true because I see, I see jerks getting ahead. Mm -hmm. Y'all just don't live in my world. I see good things happening to bad people. Mm -hmm. Where's karma now? You see my point? But there's a day when Jesus shows up. Somebody going to get it, and it ain't going to be me. <laughs> it's like when my twin sister would get in trouble and not me. I was like, thank Jesus, there's a God. Today I didn't get spanked. <laughs> so my point is this. That because he's all sufficient, I can walk because he's going to be, he's going to take the blame, so I'm not. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. This is why potential. Verse 2, then I will make my covenant between me and you, and you will greatly increase uh, your numbers. Abram fell face down, verse 3, and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. 24 years, I'm by myself going, oh, I know Sarai tried to give me some with, with Hagar, and we got Ishmael, but that was kind of a big mess up, and now he's causing strife. So, uh, like, what's going on? 24 years of this not happening, and you're saying I'm going to be a father of nations, and God says, listen, Here's why I'm going to speak to potential. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's why I'm going to show you that greater is he that is in than he that is in the world. Watch this. Oh, this is so good. You smell what Jesus is cooking. First, first five. No longer will you be called who? Which means exalted father. Your name will be Abraham or father of nations. You're not going to be the father of one. You're going to be the father of many. Listen, when God shows up, he changes the game plan. And then what he did to Abraham, look, his name was known as Yahweh. His name was known as, he takes that, that Yahweh, that H, that H of his name, his personal name. He takes that H and he goes from Abram to Abraham. Listen, when God puts himself in us, now we have potential. So I'm tired of Christians saying, I'm just defeated. I'm just defeated. How can we be defeated when we have the champion? The Bible says that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Ephesians 4:30 says, do not grieve the Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. When God stepped into my life, I now have potential. And so whatever I don't have by the world's standards, I have by God's standards. Game changer. That's why we pray, thou will be done on earth. Thou will be done on earth. Thou will be done on earth. as it is in Because earth don't set the standard. Jesus sets the standard. So we pray a heavenly will on an earthly mess up. You're the game changer. God has put his spirit in us for potential. So when we preach the gospel to ourselves every day, every day I say, listen, Jesus Christ, your blood washed away my sins. Your blood gave me the righteousness of Christ. Your blood has broken every chain of sin in my life. Your blood every day now promises me a great and future heavenly city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And I'm going to look forward. I'm not going to look around. I'm not going to look down. I don't look to the right. I don't look to the left. I look to you, the author and finisher of my faith. I fix my eyes on Jesus. My eyes looking to the hills from whence coming my help. I'm looking to you because nobody else is going to write the story but you. Potential. He put himself in Abram. Changed his name. The world got to quit writing your name. Why we let the world write your name? You know what the world write your name as? Good student. Single. Parent. Businessman. 
The world is not going to write my name. Jesus <coughs> will write my name. And he will determine what I'm to be. He will call me pastor. He will call me. That's why I love the president of my seminary. He said, when you get your PhD, don't let anybody call you doctor. Everybody stood back aghast. What do you mean by that? He said, that's a man title, but your God title is pastor. See, God gives us his name. If God calls you coach, that's what you are. If God calls you teacher, that's what you are. If God calls you student, that's what you are. And you and I cannot back away. We don't let earth write our story. And just because things go wrong, don't mean he ain't making it right. Because he speaks to potential. Because he's put himself in us. And when he's in us, we have unlimited. He can do it immeasurably. What does Ephesians 3.20 say? He can do immeasurably more than we can what? Ask or imagine. Even our dreams are weak in front of God. It's potential. But we got to be, listen, let's keep going. This is good stuff. So then he says, I love this. He goes, I will make you a father of many nations. Verse 6. I will make you very fruitful. He didn't just say, you're going to be low fruitful. You'll be very fruitful. You said, but John, he only had one seed. He only had little old Isaac. Here's what I want you to know. Though God is not interested in numbers, he's interested in the power. In the, he's interested in the power in the number. If 10% can write the culture, 10% can change that football team at Ashley Ridge. 10% writes the culture. I told you that statistic. I told you all that. 10% writes the culture. 10%, 10%, 10%. You want to know why? LGBTQSAII and everything else became important? Because it came important to 10% of the culture. It didn't have to be the majority of the culture. It has to be 10%, and that's what writes the culture. You look at all social data. I've taught you all this. That means if you're on a team, 10% can write it. If you're in a business, 10% can write it. If you're in a classroom or dorm room, 10% can write it. Because, you see, it's the power inside of us that multiplies. All it needed was the Isaac. All he needed was the Isaac because there was a lot of seed in Isaac. That's what's happening. God is speaking to potential. Abram, you are dead, Abraham. Sarah is as good as dead. Her womb is as good as dead. You're 99 years old. She old too and jacked up. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to step into you because when I step into you, what the world says is dead will always bring the life in Christ. It's good. I will establish, look at this, let's go to the next verse. This is so good. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout the generations for, what does it say there? I'm just giving you, I mean, there's so much. Talk about this all For uh, generations for what type of covenant? What does it say? Everlasting. Everlasting covenant, which means when God starts it, he finishes it. Author, finisher of our faith. Philippians 1, 6, he began a good work in you as faithful and just to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. It is an everlasting covenant. It's not a covenant that goes away. It's not a covenant that ends. It's a covenant that stays because God writes it. And he is going to send the Messiah. Abraham is not the hero. You are not the hero. I am not the hero. Jesus is. And he's put himself in us, the Holy Spirit. And as long as the Holy Spirit is in us because he is El Shaddai, then guess what? We have potential. Everlasting covenant to be your God and your offspring after you. But let's keep going. Let's show this word everlasting in a new way too. And I will give you, and I'm so thankful for John Silhammer on this. And I will give you an also, uh, to you and your offspring after you. Whoo, I got to breathe. The land of your sojournings. All the land of Canaan. For what? He said everlasting covenant. Now he says everlasting possession. I'm going to speak this. I, John, have to stop complaining about my possession. When things don't go right where I am, doesn't mean that God is telling me to leave where I am. When God calls me to something, he calls me until he tells me to leave. It's a possession for Abraham. And notice, the potential, not performance. Abraham is just one. And there's tens of thousands in the land that think it's theirs. The Hivites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, all there think it's theirs. But God says, it's yours. 
and it's everlasting. Let's keep going. This is so good. Verse 9. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants, or you and your offspring, after you throughout the generations. Now watch this. This is why potential is so important. This is where we're going to land. You guys ready? I mean, it's going to be a couple minutes. We're going to set this thing up. Because he is El Shaddai, because God is all-sufficient, when I should be blamed, because of Jesus, I am blameless. All I have to do when I'm in a place, a circumstance that doesn't show any potential and collides with the promises of God, when, God's, when God says it's not good for you to be alone, but you're in a place that you feel all alone, let's just make that one of the arguments. When I'm in that place, what do I do? All you and I are supposed to do is walk to be a sign. Watch this. Verse 10. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be what? Now watch this. Verse 11. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it shall be what? It's not the covenant. It's the sign of the covenant. See, when you come to God on works, here's what happens. You think the moment that my work is messed up, the covenant's messed up. Listen, the circumcision was a sign of the covenant. It is not the covenant. It is an outward symbol of, listen, somebody in this room has got to stand up and be a sign. And this is what I hear from most Christians. I don't like where I am. Be quiet. God is speaking to potential and not performance. You've got to stand walk with him. But I keep failing. You're blameless in front of him. It doesn't matter if the world says that you're a joke. God's not saying you're a joke. God is trying to do something in you. You're just right now, because of solid around you, he's just digging a foundation in you. That's all that's doing because he's getting ready to go up. But to go up, it's got to be all him and none of us because if any of us, it will collapse. God is calling us to be a sign. Abraham had to be a sign. Somebody has to stand up and be a sign. And when God calls us to be a sign, he's going to put us in a place where only he can be sufficient and we cannot. Oh, and we just, I hear from believers, well, how I do is walk out. I can only say this in the sense of my personal experience. When I want out of Summit, it's because I'm not walking with the one who's in control of Summit. I always want out of the place that God puts me when I don't spend time with the one who put me here. You're going to hate your life if you try to walk it in the flesh. You're going to hate your calling. You're going to hate it. You're going to despise God. You're going to curse God. I told God this week, if y'all only knew my wicked heart, I told God, I said, God, look, here's the deal. I'm going to quit praying to you because you just don't answer. Oh, but you're the pastor. Yes, I'm also a sinner, saved by grace. I'm also in a place that I should be blamed and be out. I'm tired of God not answering my prayers. I, I don't know about you. I'm just tired of it. I'm sick and tired. Jeremy Palm cigarette. I wanted to quit this week. You can have it. It's all you. All this and it's great. I want it out. I just why? Why do you say that? Why? Because because I get because sometimes I just get tired. Can I just break it down for somebody this morning? I just get tired of giving. Amen. Men, can I get a witness in the room? Sometimes. Sometimes you just get tired of giving because nobody, just nobody will say thanks. And everywhere I go, you got, let's think about this room. When I wake up in the morning, John is expected to give. When I step on this campus, John is expected to give. When I go and serve at Summit, John is expected to give. When I come home, John is expected to give. But there are some times that John wants to be given to. There's some times that I am just tired. And God, I don't like this land. And I don't feel like being a sign. In fact, God, I'd rather write my own sign. John is Lord. <laughs> I want John to be the sign because I'm tired of you being the sign. Because God, I'm just sick of it. Listen, if God called you to be an athlete, quit your wine. And all I hear from these coaches in this place is every Christian that becomes an athlete gets soft. Tired of it. How can you be soft 
and go to the cross. Jesus, that's a little too much. I don't like pricks. <laughs> you know, all I can think about when I, when I think about pricks in the finger, all I can think about is the movie Elf when he was eating the cotton balls. Do y'all not watch Elf? Do y'all, do y'all even believe in Christmas? <laughs> oh my God. Right? And he's like, and he, right, he gets pricked in the finger. He's like, he can't even talk. It's like the pain is so bad. That's how I feel some morning. Some mornings I can't even talk, God, the pain is so bad. That's sometimes where I'm at. I just meant, God, I don't see you being El Shaddai. I don't see you being all sufficient. Listen, Christians get labeled as a bunch of wimps and weak. I want to tell you something. Where are the ones who will stand up and say, I will love Jesus regardless, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going down without a fight. If this church fails, it will not fail without me swinging my last breath. I'm going to swing until God takes away my breath. That's the Christians of the world. We're the ones who face death right in the eyes. And we say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But we're going to say this, blessed be the name of the Lord. I was taking these students, Marcus, I was taking these students. Y'all know on Dorchester Road, y'all ever seen that? Uh, God help me, I don't want to exaggerate, because I love to exaggerate. It makes the story so much better. <laughs> uh, Dorchester Road, there's a, there's a uh, as you're going towards 17A, y'all know I'm talking about like you're going the back way to Walter Burroughs. Everybody's like tracking me. If you're not from here, you're going, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, just work with me, pretend. And so, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, a, a cemetery. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Are you going to the right? Coach, true story. So I'm pastoring Summit. I, we knocked on every, we knocked on every door on Lassen Road. I have not People from this church, we've knocked all the way down Lassen Road, every door. College Park, <coughs> every door. People stand at the door with TV and I'm like this. I remember taking JD. JD was a little key. He don't remember I took you. And I went like this. The lady comes to the door. She's like, hold on. Puts a mask on. She goes, I got TV. And JD's standing right in front of me. I take him and I go, whoop. And right behind him. Don't ever tell. Don't ever, don't ever tell me I ain't sacrificed for you. <laughs> take one more team. <laughs> Should have said, put him right behind me. I said, I'll take this one, Lord. We knock on them doors, man. We knock on this one, this one couple. We don't get anybody coming. We leading people to Jesus. Ain't nobody coming to summit. You know how door to door evangelism works. Works about as good as saying on on the dot. I wake up on the dot by eight fifteen. I'm done. And so, and so, but we, we this couple came, and she was from um, Thailand. And she used to be Buddhist. And he and she had cancer. She's about 52 years old. She started got cancer. He didn't tell me that she was dying of cancer. And her husband was American, and he was just real shy, quiet man. They would come and sit in the back at summit all the time. Well, and she ends up dying of cancer. We met him by knocking on doors. And so she says, Well, you do the funeral. And so her two daughters, one was with the LSU, another one lived in somewhere else, California, one was in Louisiana. They come, they have it out there, coach. Oh, oh, oh right there in that cemetery. True story. You can ask Jesus Christ. So I'm up there. Y'all know me. Yeah, you know me. It goes on fire. Marcus, I'm up there. Just, I'm like, okay, here's the deal. They, they put, you know how people at funerals put the pictures up everybody like all the time? Well, they got this big picture board, and under the pictures, I'm telling you the gospel truth you ask Jesus Christ. And you asked my wife who was there, and I do some other people. And so there was a picture of this lady and all these uh, big Buddhas. Like, you know, the golden emerald Buddha and all the Buddha temples and all these big Buddhas and small Buddhas and fat Buddhas and little Buddhas and rich Buddhas and poor Buddhas and Buddha Buddha. And I, I don't know, there's Buddhas everywhere. So they're all in this picture, right? And I'm up here, I'm like, mm-hmm. this kind of makes me excited. Because I'm going to talk about Jesus. <laughs> because he is El Shaddai and Buddha is not. Amen. So I get up there. There's a casket. I'm up there. I'm like, they asked the wrong person. To, to, if, y'all don't, if y'all want a nice funeral, don't ask me. And so I get up there and I'm going to Jesus. And I'm saying that he is Lord. He is Lord. And I kid you not. In the name of Jesus, the picture is a Buddha. Boom, face down. I'm preaching there's only, and I said, there's only one God, there's only one sin. And so the girl gets up, she's over here, gets up, puts a picture back up on the board. 
I start again. Name but one more. Boom! Sucker falls face down again. I'm like, if Jesus showing up, because I ain't never had this happen. <laughs> True story. And so everybody in the whole place is like this. <gasps> I mean, they're just frozen. They don't even know what to do. Like, the, you know, God is like, literally, the Buddhas are falling face down. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God's Father. Amen. Philippians 2. And so, because I believe in El Shaddai. But somebody has to be a sign. God is calling us to be a sign of him being El Shaddai. And we take ourselves out of him being El Shaddai. We don't think that he is all sufficient. He is, he is God Almighty. That's what El Shaddai means. El God Shaddai mighty or sufficient. We don't think that he is God sufficient. We don't think he's God. It's going to be God plus. It's going to be God less. It's going to be God minus. It, 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 that's what we think. But it's only him. And when it's only him, is he enough? Because God will never share his spotlight with anybody else. And the more we want to put somebody with him, the less we'll have of him. <laughs> but we're called to be a sign. We're called to be a sign of the covenant. Somebody in this room has got to step up and be a sign. Believers, we've got to step up and be a sign. We've got to start looking forward because we've got a foundation. We've got a sure footing. We've got to quit saying, I failed. We've got to work through our failures. We've got to press harder. We've got to learn, and we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to get down on our faces in front of the Lord and say, God, if you don't show up, I'm dead. Then you go to the people in authority over you, and you humble yourselves in front of them and say, God, if you don't show up in them, I'm as good as dead because the king's heart, and right, God has the king's heart in his hand. Somebody's going to be a sign to change the story. Here's an example of somebody being a sign changing the story.
So Tim was born in the Philippines because of his father's ministry. Somebody has to be assigned. Tim grabbed that little boy, picked him up in his arms. You can read it in the book, Shaking. It's in my house. It's between my son's room, that book, and, and my room and the kids' rooms. That book by Tim Tebow Shaking is right there. And it's in that book. Somebody has to be assigned. He picked up what the world says was cursed and God says was blessed. God spoke to potential. Like over here. God spoke to potential in that performance. The performance was the kid's feet on backwards. He's cursed. Get him away. But God said, potential, you're blessed and you're signed of my goodness. Quit <coughs> complaining about failures. That is performance language. It's performance thought. It's performance driven. And start embracing where we are for Jesus Christ and be the potential that God's called us to be. He is all sufficient. And that is why I love that story. I love that Tim would do that. Somebody has got to be assigned in this room. There's people walking around, they don't read the Bible, they could care less about Jesus. They're only going to read Jesus in us. All they got. Who's going to be there? And the only way to do it, God's going to take you, and he's going to make you vulnerable. And he's going to put you in a place that sometimes you're going to feel like the biggest failure in the world. But you've got to fight through the pain by preaching the gospel to yourself, by walking in front of him as God Almighty. Walk, come to him as God Almighty. When I'm broken and I'm in failure, I'm going to keep pressing in because there's going to be a breakthrough in the middle of the breaking. God will do it if we look forward. So here's the call. Who will be assigned? Who will be assigned? Maybe you're in a place today where you feel like, I don't want to be assigned anymore in the place I'm at. Listen, you're going to have to get past yourself. Get over it and get right with God because it's not about us to begin with. We gave up our lives to him. Our name is no longer John. My name is John the Christian. It's not about John anymore. It's not John Davis's life, not John Davis's world, not John Davis's thoughts. It's not where John Davis wants to go, where he wants to live, or how he wants to play. It's all about Jesus Christ and where he wants me to go and live and play and live for him. It's all about his name, and it's all about his glory. I'm a sign, I'm a sign, I'm a sign. And that's why he said, Abraham, whoever blesses you will be blessed. Because here's what a true blessing is. A blessing is not God gives you victory or success. God gives you success so that you can then bless somebody else with that success like Tim has. Bless somebody else with that success and then in turn bless God. Blessings go like this. They don't go like this. Who'll be assigned? But remember, you want to be that? God's going to put you in a place where only he can be all sufficient. Ain't going to be with a girlfriend or boyfriend. Ain't going to be a parent. It's not going to be money. It's not going to be a job. It's not, I'm telling you. It's going to be a place where only he can be sufficient. It's not God plus. God is not our co-pilot. Worst theology ever. God is the power. John, we get in the back. Father, in the name of Jesus, who wants to be assigned in this room? There's a lot of room up front here to pray. There's a lot of room up front here where we might feel insufficient. And God, we're just going to have to ask you to step in and be sufficient. There's a lot of places for us right now. I mean, we get ready to sing this song, No One Higher. One of my favorite songs of all time. But God, we, we sing that no one's higher, but we don't want to be a place where we're lower. We got to get tougher, Lord. In the name of Jesus. We got to stand up and stop saying, This is where my life is, performance. We got to start trusting. That the Spirit of God has potential. God, who are you calling today to just say, God, I need you to be sufficient in fill in the blank. I'm just going to come and kneel before you. I'm going to come and kneel before you for my family. God, you're going to be all sufficient. God, I'm a, I'm a, I need you to be all sufficient right now. And what am I doing, Lord? I, I don't care where I'm at. Uh, or for my team, or for my friends, or, or, or for my grandchildren, or, or for my job, or for the people at work, or my mother and father who hate you, Lord. I need you to be all sufficient so that I can be assigned. Somebody, Lord, in this room has to pick up the broken. What the world says is no. You say yes because you use us. God, you're calling us in this room today. 
and you're going to answer. You said, call to me, and I will answer you. And Lord, the sign, well, I just ran out of time, Lord, but the sign is, it's not an external change in the sense that there's our, our attitudes and behavior change, but it's because it starts on the inside. You said that you would write our law, your law, in our hearts. That you would give us a new heart. You said it in Jeremiah 31. You said it in Ezekiel chapter 11. You said it in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. That you would write your law on our hearts. You would circumcise our hearts. Because if you circumcise our hearts, you've circumcised our behavior. We're signed. We're signed. We're signed that God is almighty. Thank you. 